Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. a whole raft of messages of support from leaders all around the nation, even overseas. Uh, this weekend, just especially yesterday, just my phone was just going hot with, with uh, messages of support. And so I want to convey that to you guys. I want to convey that to Jenny and Brian. And uh, God is on the move. Yeah? God is on the move. And... Um, you know, there's a whole lot of things that you can say. And then, you know, yesterday I was getting all riled up, okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. Karen's shaking in her boots right now. What the heck is going to come out of his mouth? <laughs> anyway, so I've found a, a very good technique for me in times like this is to go for a run. And so I did my fastest 12Ks I've ever done <laughs> yesterday. It's good. It's good to break a record. And I came home and just dived in a freezing cold pool just to, just to wake myself up. And anyway, so I'm done. It's all out. <laughs> anyway, um, God is on the move. And uh, I want you guys to know that um, we stand for something. We stand for something as a, as a community and as a school community. And so I want you to specifically, specifically be praying for Jenny and Brian uh, and, uh, and stand with them. Stand with them. Write it down in your prayer journal to be praying. Because uh, the battle isn't f- flesh and blood. It's not this dude or that dude, even though I've had my season of getting pretty peed off at some of them. But, you know, I don't let the sun go down on my anger. So I figure I've got 12 good hours. Anyway, enough said, but God is on the move, yeah? Why don't you turn to a book? I don't think I've ever preached out of this before. The book of Jonah. The book of Jonah. The book of Jonah. Good book. Very good book. It's very short. It's hard to find. And um, I'm going to start reading. I'm going to read all of chapter 3 and a little bit of chapter 4. And it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days walk around the city. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, and he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on the ashes. He issued a proclamation, and it said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water, but both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth. 
And let men call on God earnestly that day, uh, that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. When God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. And it keeps going with a bit of a weird story. But I'll end it there because I think what I want to share today really is how thankful we can be for the grace of God. Interesting that Jonah's whinging to God was that God is too compassionate. He's too merciful. You're too loving on your people. And there are times when I think for us as frail, weak, broken, sinful people, we can forget about the grace that God has extended first to us. He first loved us while we were still sinners. He poured out his love for us. And so I can quickly be humbled by remembering the sinner that I am when I start pointing the finger, when I start getting frustrated. Onkaparinga City Council region has 175,000 people living in it currently. It's roughly the same size as Nineveh at the time. And it's interesting, give or take 10 or 20,000, okay? But, you know, in that framework, God can do in a day what we could never achieve in a 100 years. Who knows what God will do in this hour if we will seek after him and say, God, we repent we, we, we are a mixed bag of nuts. We don't know left from right sometimes. We get things wrong at other times. But the one thing we know is we trust in the, our Heavenly Father. And we need His hand to come and break in to this region. I know some of you live in other uh, councils and areas, but it's the same in this region. We need the hand of God by His grace to step in. Because we in and of ourselves, we're always going to get it wrong. There's times throughout history where you can see in the days of Noah, Sodom and Gomorrah, in Abraham's day with the Israelites. And then throughout history, you can see particularly in the Old Testament, there were times when humans so turned from God where they so turned their hearts away from him into evil, into other things that God really pushed it, he pushed it to the limits where he almost wiped out humanity because humanity has this inherent thing inside of us called sin. 
And sin will always seek to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy is the king of divorce because he divorced his father. He divorced the great one. He divorced his leader. And so he wants to bring divorce onto humans. He wants to bring division. He wants to bring strife and confusion. And if there's one thing I know about this battle, it isn't flesh and blood. As tempted yesterday as I was to go on a social media rampage, I stopped myself. Because stupid things are said on social media. Lies are spewed out on social media. I mean, there's one I could give you right now that it is just it got my blood boiling. But it's useless. It's worthless. There's a time to fight. As you know, there's a time to speak up and do what's right. But this battle is not flesh and blood. This battle is the principalities and powers that are ruling in this region. And if we can understand that when we go to the prayer closet, we know where our fight is. We're not fighting little words and little accusations. We're fighting fiery darts of the enemy, Satan, the deceiver, the accuser. And he's the one who loves to spew this stuff out. So interestingly enough, we go from the Old Testament with a framework of God smiting his people when they turn against him, which is what humans will do if we're in control. It's what we do. You look at history. History tells the story. When, when we get too much power and we get it too wrong, that's what we tend to do. Just try to shut everything else down that is against us. And then we are hit with this incredible outpouring of loving kindness. In, in the book of Jonah, we see Jonah complaining to God because of his loving kindness. God, you are so compassionate. You are so merciful. And we get a snippet of the grace of God. We get a snippet of what is to come on the cross. And then in history, we see at the cross, it stamped something. It shook the earth. Day became night. Dead bodies in graves, who knows how long they were there for, became out of their graves as, as a testimony, as a sign of the power of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And at that time, a new smiting of the earth, instead of vengeance, it's a grace outpouring. And instead of death, he brought about life. So all of us get to participate instead of what we deserve, which is vengeance, which is not grace, but a, but a sentence to death. We are now sentenced to life, eternal life. And we can see this opposing thought throughout history. We can see that there's ebbs and flows of the moving of God. There's ebbs and flows. And there's been very, very dark periods throughout history. There's times when we might think we're under fire or we've got it bad. Uh, you know, you only have to turn on about the, the Afghanistan situation and those, you know, I, I was hearing one of the fathers of one of the Marines who was um, uh, killed uh, in the last 48 hours and I was just hearing in his voice and I'm thinking, I have no problems. I have no problems. The, the mourning in his his voice was enough. And 
And then you think of the people in Afghanistan, the Christians maybe, or, or just the people who don't want to go the way of uh, militant Islamic leaders in, in that nation. And you think, what must they be thinking and doing right now? It's incredible. And then you think all across the earth there are, there are people impoverished. There are people who are being persecuted, people who are being killed. Uh, we have no problems. And so we live in this world where we are bombarded by so much stuff that sometimes it's too much for our brains. I don't know about you. You just have to turn it off and, and still your mind. It's too much. It's too much how much it must be for the Father. How much it must be where sometimes he just might think to himself or whisper over to Jesus, man, you know, no wonder I sent the flood. But then he remembers, hang on, but I sent you to save them from the flood, to save them from sin. And so it's at times like these where we need to understand the grace of the Father more than ever because the fiery darts of the enemy are so often distractions that if we get caught up in the distractions, we take our eyes off the real battle. The real battle is a deeper battle. The good thing about history is this. God regularly shows up. He regularly shows up. We can look throughout history. I read an account last week of uh, the great, second Great Awakening. It was the same in the First Great Awakening. It's the same in the Welsh Revival, Indonesian Revival, Chinese Revival in Africa. You can name revivals throughout history and you will always find a desolate spiritual climate. We are in a desolate spiritual climate in our city, in our nation. Unfortunately, our premier has forgotten his spiritual background. We pray that our prime minister stands up for religious freedom. I've got to throw that in there. Be praying for him that he has a spiritual backbone to stand because we need him more than ever. And if this goes out on social media, I pray he hears it. We need men and women who will stand up for religious freedom in our day. Because it's one of those things that the enemy loves to just chip away at, chip away at. But do you know what? Even if things get tighter and tighter and tighter, they've been a lot worse in history. You only have to look at the Dark Ages, the Crusades, at other times, other plagues, other wars and things like this. And, and we got it very, very good. But we don't want to rest on our laurels. We want to also recognise that there are many, many people right now who do not know Jesus in our city, in our nation, on our watch. It's, it's not even on the preacher's watch. Because remember, we're the priesthood of all believers. Remember, you cheered me a few years ago when I preached that. <laughs> priesthood of all believers. It's Martin Luther's great message is that all of us are empowered with the kingdom of God. All of us are influencers for the kingdom of God. All of us can be filled with his gifts and his spirit and an ability to reach other people. I, I'm not sure whether what... I, I had, the, I had a, a meeting with a guy from... Uh, he's from Bethel, actually, Last week, and he's seen all the moves of God, the Jesus People Movement and Charismatic Movement, Toronto, and obviously he's, he's based at Bethel. So, you know, he's, he's seen all that stuff. And, and you know, uh, one of the things he said to me, he said, you know, what are you seeing, you know, in the next move of God? And I said, I have no idea. 
I have no idea. I don't know if anyone has any idea. I don't know if it's going to be out in the fields. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, I remember people prophesying that, you know, it's going to be the kids leading. I don't know. We haven't seen that yet. It, it could be. Maybe it's, maybe it's the oldies. Bring it on. Our oldies are pretty fired up. <laughs> so, you know, we have no idea. How, how's he going to do it in, in mass gatherings, in small gatherings? Is it going to be, you know, laughing, rolling, shaking? Is it going to be crying, repenting, screaming? Who knows? But all, all of this stuff is irrelevant if God doesn't move. And we're in a season, maybe it's not as bad as Nineveh. Maybe it's not as bad as some other times throughout history. But, you know, there, there has been cyclical moves of God. Cyclical moves of God. You can look throughout history. And, uh, and, and there's been some studies done on this thing. We're kind of overdue. We're overdue. Do you agree with me? Just give me a show of hands because I know masks kind of stifle. That's a pretty good voting at any meeting. Maybe your family is overdue for a move of God. Maybe your own life is overdue for a grace outpouring. The truth is, I've sort of given up prescribing to God what I want him to do. I've realized he's in control, not me. I've also realized that when he moves, he typically does not move in the exact way that we've been praying for him to move. Ever notice that? We get together and we pray, oh, God, you know, come and do this, come and do this. And he comes through the back door and does it down the road. <laughs> Always remember R.T. Kendall preaching. R.T. Kendall uh, preached uh, at uh, Westminster Chapel in London, very prestigious church, uh, a great theologian, great preacher. And I remember him preaching many times, and he's written about this and admitted this, God, send revival to Westminster, send revival, send revival. And what does he do? He sends revival to Holy Trinity Brompton down the road. <laughs> so all the churches in this, on this block should be celebrating right now. <laughs> it's an interesting thing when God answers prayers in a way that we weren't even asking. The good thing is he's in control. But there's some things that I've recognized that he loves to do. And just like in this book with Jonah, Jonah, as we can see, was a frail man who ran from the word of God, who ran, first went to Tarshish before he went to Nineveh. He was disobedient. He didn't even listen to God. He was a prophet. He was a man of God. And then when he goes there, God moves in power. Revival breaks out in Nineveh. Very quickly, they turn their hearts and he gets all annoyed. I told you, God, you were going to do this. He goes and sooks outside the city. You re keep reading. He's a whinger. And he goes and complains to God. This uh, Just kill me now. That's what he says. That's not even my version. But can you see how frail we are as humans? And yet God wants to use you. What are your excuses to God today, tomorrow, yesterday? You can't use me. I've done this. I've been wrong. I've doubted you. You know what? Jonah is exactly like you. You're exactly like Moses who said he can't even speak. He had to pull in Aaron who could speak. 
all of the excuses as to why God can't use you. Let me tell you, He wants to use you more than ever. He wants to use you more than ever before because our region needs you. He needs to hear your prayers. He needs to hear even your moaning and your whinging. And you never know what. In, in this passage, keep reading in chapter 4, you'll see that God supernaturally provides instantly a flower to grow up and, and shade him from the burning sun. I wonder what supernatural opportunities are awaiting you and me when we finally go to Nineveh. When we stop going around and say, I just want to go to Tarshish. I want to go somewhere. Just don't even send me there. I don't even like those people. God will supernaturally provide for you in ways that never will open up out of disobedience. Obedience opens the door to the supernatural. Obedience opens God's heart to breakthroughs in our lives, not just in revival meetings, but in awakenings inside of us. I want to kind of wrap the whole thing up in, in a, um, a summary of something. We've used this analogy many times, but uh, the older I'm getting, the more I'm seeing this analogy more and more and more. And uh, it's when we're in Germany and they told us so clearly because, uh, you know, Karen wasn't well and we were trying to get healthy and there were other people there with chronic diseases and, and one of the things that they rammed down the throat strongly of everyone who goes there is we don't fight disease, we build immunity from within. There is such a kingdom lesson in this. If we will hear this, it is so powerful. It is so powerful. One thing I've realized about running is that I breathe in mass loads of oxygen that I never would get into my body if I'm sitting on a couch. It would look kind of funny, actually, if I sat on the couch and breathed for hour, hour and a half, two hours sometimes, as hard and fast and spat as much as I do when I'm running, if I just sat on the couch and did that. But think about how much oxygen I'm getting into my blood and my lungs and fresh air, negative ions and, and getting out all this stuff out of my lymph system and sweat glands. And it is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It's a gift of God. But um, the same thing applies in the spirit. We build immunity from within. See, if we're just fighting off all the little accusations all the time, we never get to the deeper stuff because we're, we're fighting this thing. We're fighting this thing. Oh, now I've got to fight this thing. Now I've got to fight this thing. Oh, now I didn't pray last week. So now I'm feeling bad again. I'm feeling guilty. So we're going to fight guilt. And, and we haven't been in the word of God. So we're fleshly. We're weak. We're we're struggling with things that we shouldn't be. If we're in his word, we'll be sharper than a double-edged sword. And we'll have faith to stand where we won't have faith. We need to activate the immunity that he's put within our spirits. And when we do that, we become strong. And if, if you want to do anything in the kingdom, you've got to be strong. That's something I've learned over the last 12, 13 years of leadership in a community is, is you've got to be strong. Because the enemy will try and bring you down. And unless you've built immunity, unless you've actually got some resilience and some guts and some strength in your spirit, you will get taken down. And so this is why I'm such a big advocate for men being men spiritually, leading spiritually, being strong spiritually. Because this nation has too many men who have let go of their mantle.
as spiritual leaders. We've given way too much ground to the enemy just by being silent. Just by not saying that, I'm not going there, I'm not, going, not doing this. And so we've given over our authority in, in an act of silence and laziness and boredom and not building up strong spiritual strength and guts inside of us. We have disease in our community and it's on our watch. And it's on our watch. So it's up to us to build immunity. How do we build immunity? We pray. We seek God. Maybe you want to you know, take, take a season out, three days, where just like in Nineveh, God, God heard it very, very quickly. I mean, I'd love it if he answered some of my prayers that quickly. I wouldn't mind that. A day of fasting, you know, a couple of days. You know, don't have to feed the dogs for a couple of days. That's nice, or the sheep. Who knows what breakthroughs are awaiting you if you will press into him and build some spiritual immunity inside of you rather than trying to fight off every other external factor. You're not fighting external factors. You're fighting internal factors, internal things that we've allowed, internal things that we've left doors open, gates open. I don't like leaving gates open. We have many, many gates. We just had some extra fencing put up. And the, the farm fencer said, mate, you might as well just build the whole thing out of gates. Because I like gates. I, I'm, I mean, you never know when you're going to need access to somewhere. I know what it's like to leave gates open. Kangaroos come in and eat all your plants. Dogs get loose and, you know, we get fined from the RSPCA on a weekly basis. But this is exactly the same in our spirit. When we leave gates open, when we are just fighting the same things over and over again, the same habits, the same temptations, the same thought patterns, something's wrong. Our immunity is down. And when we as a community, as we have in, in a great way, we have a great sense of health. But I want to encourage us, let's go, let's go even further. Let's build a resilience Let's build a, an immunity inside of us that is so strong, that is so powerful, that the first thing you do when you know there's a challenge, you go to prayer, you go to the Word of God, you're encouraging one another, and, 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 you're, and we're actually using the weapons, the spiritual weapons that He's given us to use. And this is why I've realized that it is good to shut my mouth. Because when the enemy comes, he's teasing. He's teasing, he's prodding, he's saying, I know you guys, you're, you're immature spiritually. You're going to go for this bait. You're going to go for this. And anyone who says stupid stuff like they did on the weekend, it's like, oh, my goodness. And, and so we've got to be so much bigger than that, so much stronger in our system, in our immunity spiritually, so that we know you can say whatever you like. You can, you can say whatever you like about anything. None of it matters. None of it matters because we know our king. We know who's in charge and we trust in a higher authority and we will rely on him for our source and our life. We will live by his moral code, not by today's moral code. And we know that when we do this, we are building immunity. We're building strength and we want immunity in our community. But to do that, it takes many of us. It takes many of us, not just one or two or three or four or five or six. And, and Karen and I praise God for you guys all the time. We pray for you every day. 
because of your health and your strength and your eagerness to see God move. You guys, a lot of you encourage us in probably ways you won't. You go out, we've got people evangelizing, prayer group on Tuesday, we've got others praying at other times and meeting and encouraging, meals being delivered, all sorts of things going on all the time. And that's because of you guys. I want to encourage you with the last passage, and, and this is something that, that you guys do really well, but I think this is a real key for us to build even stronger immunity and see God move in our city in greater ways. And it's Ephesians 5.18. Most of you know it. Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, as most of you have heard, that Greek scholars will tell you that that second part be filled with the Spirit, actually is in the tense, in the imperative that actually means go on. Go on being filled with the Spirit. It's not a one-time thing. Or continuously be filled with the Spirit. You can look it up. And so it's an interesting thing to think about going on being filled with the Spirit. If you're a human in this room today, you will know that there are many times that you don't feel like you're filled with the Spirit. And yet, it's almost a decree, a declaration, a really strong encouragement to go on being filled with the Spirit. Paul also says in Galatians, live by the Spirit. And so there must be a key in this for us, how to gain victory. There must be a secret weapon in this that works. Otherwise, it wouldn't be in Scripture. And it's a key of activating or fanning into flame, as Paul says, the gift of God that you received at the laying on of hands. That is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. He's not a weaker, diluted, third, little rung version of God. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is ever-present. And He is God. And if we are born again through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have Him inside of us. Therefore, He is the key to breakthrough. He is the key to your depression. He is the key to the disease going on around. And I'm talking about the other stuff going on, not other diseases. But he is the answer. He is the solution to building immunity. If you don't feel like praying, the Holy Spirit is called our helper for a reason. Because we need help. I know I do regularly. Need his help. And he is, he is our advocate. He's cheering us on. He's supporting us. He's backing us. No matter how you're feeling or whatever you're going through today, you have a great one standing with you. You have an all-powerful God with you right now, walking through this journey, speaking to you, whispering to you. And all of his power is focused in on you. And when we pray, just like Jonah, we might pray broken prayers from a position of lack of faith, not even believing, or maybe, not, maybe, maybe we even want vengeance on the situation, like I did yesterday about midday. But God's a good God and he even knows our heart and he knows that that's not really what we mean. That instead of a vengeance outpouring, we want a grace outpouring. 
Because what if in the spirit realm right now, instead of just having a, a vengeance, you know, whacking of the, the beehive, so to speak, so it just stirs up a whole lot of stuff, what if there's an awakening happening? What if there's an awakening just beginning to stir in our community? What if, what if in your household, in your region, God wants to stir a new level of immunity, which is bringing an awakening within us men? I know women, you think, well, how, how come you're just pointing out men? Because I'm telling you, when men arise, women arise. It's, it's just a fact. It's a fact. And it's not even a sexist thing or a chauvinistic thing or a gender thing. It's just a fact. Why? Because for me, women are already there, <laughs> already there in so many ways. And so I want to encourage you. In fact, I want to get you to stand this morning. That's cool. I just sold my spare tires on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> I'm very similar to Jonah in a lot of ways. Easily distracted. Yeah. Anyway, just lift your hands. Just lift your hands. Let's... Let's uh, just ask Holy Spirit to come and do whatever he wants to do. And um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Have your way, Lord. Have your way in us, frail people. We doubt sometimes, we fear, we get distracted, we get lazy. We've done things wrong, we've, we've been sidetracked. And other times we don't even know what to do with ourselves. But one thing we know is you're a God of love who continually rescues humanity time and time and time again. So I'm asking, Lord, that you would awaken 1, 2, 3, 5, 10, 20, 100, 200, 300 people, that you would do phenomenal things in our city, in our nation. We pray for our leaders this morning. We pray for our Premier Stephen Marshall. Lord, we honour him as our leader. We honour him as our leader. We stand for righteousness and we stand with him and ask that you would have good voices into his head and that you would bless him and that you would allow him to see your goodness and your mercy and morality and godliness all around him and that you have put him in that position. We pray for ScoMo, Scott Morrison. Lord, we pray that you would bless him that you would surround him day and night with wise counsel, uh, that you would let him hear your voice, that you would lead him and guide him in righteousness. Let him stand for truth in our cities and in our nation. Give him so much wisdom, so much wisdom. And Lord, we pray blessing upon our nation, blessing upon our nations. And Lord, we pray that our cities would be awakened to your goodness. Just like in the days of Nineveh, Lord, we just, we just ask that you would wipe out sin from our cities, wipe out sin from all of our arenas and that you would come and save the lost. Come and save this nation, save our city. Lord, we pray that you would pour out your spirit in Adelaide, pour out your city in Morfitt Vale, in this region. We know that's your heart. We know that's your heart. I pray for every household represented here today that we would be houses of prayer, that we would be houses that stand for righteousness. 
We ask for the prodigals to return. We ask for those who have, who have turned away from you, Lord, that you would bring them back. Lord, we ask for miracles upon lives and upon families. We pray for restitution. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would begin to move in a fresh new way in our community, in a fresh new hunger, a fresh new expectation of a God who loves his people, who will move upon a city. So we pray for that this morning, Lord. We pray for you to come and move. Come and move, Lord Jesus. Come and have your way in this city. Come and have your way in our nation. We thank you that your heart is to save the lost. And we thank you that you haven't given up. You haven't given up. And so, Lord, just as we see other things going on around us, other things slipping away from you, we know that you come time and time again and rescue regions and humanity. So we pray for a great awakening. We pray for a great awakening inside of us. Come and have your way, Holy Spirit. Come and have your way, Holy Spirit. I pray Ephesians 5.18 over us this morning. That you would go on continuously filling us, your people, with Holy Spirit. Even right now. I pray, Holy Spirit, your touch upon our lives. A fresh anointing of the Spirit of God. A fresh touch of heaven upon our lives. So that we would see things through the eyes of faith. We would hear the voice of the Lord. We would understand things where we've been confused. You would build so much immunity in us spiritually and physically, that we would be an incredible powerhouse for the kingdom of God in this area and in this city. So we say, come, Holy Spirit. We say, come, Holy Spirit. Come and fill us again. Fill us again with your power and with your presence. Let's just wait on him for a minute and just begin to by faith, receive a fresh filling of his power and presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would come right now and you would begin to touch us, fill us again, fill us afresh, that you would increase hunger, you would increase awakening, you would increase an awareness and a wisdom from the kingdom of heaven. And we say thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray your, your covering and your blessing over each one of us. That we will have eyes to see exactly into different situations around us. I pray for an incredibly new effectiveness for your kingdom's work. Would rest on all of us, that doors would open. That you would show us how to operate in grace and love and power and authority. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Well, bless you guys. Yeah.